Well, good morning. Well, it's great to see you. Wasn't it great worshiping together today? Just awesome time of worship. And uh, I just want to tell you right away, uh, last, uh, last night and this morning, people are saying uh, they see me. The first thing I want to know, what's your shirt say? And I, I decided I'm going to just tell you right up front because otherwise the whole time we're going to, supposed to be talking about the Word of God. You're going to be wondering, what's your shirt say? Yeah, I, I know what the Bible says, but what's your shirt say? Uh, it's funny, the shirt says the gates. And uh, we were, it, we were uh, last, uh, what was April, the four senior pastors, we were back in New York uh, for a, a conference together. Just had a great time. It was a very special time. Went to Central Park one day, rented bikes, rode around together Central Park. And we came to the, the big store there, a little store they have. You can buy souvenirs. And they had this on sale. There was a big art festival thing that they had done there uh, in Central Park. And so now, the, now you know what it says, and you can start focusing on the Word of God. All right? So... Uh, anyway, we're so glad uh, you're here. A couple of things. want to remind you that in a couple of weeks on a Sunday night, January 25th, we're doing our uh, congregational meeting, our annual meeting. We kind of look back, review the year, uh, some highlights. Uh, we uh, present our budget, elders vote on those. It's just a great time of celebration. And um, uh, just want to let you know, in pref- uh, in refer- in pref- uh, 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 uh. <laughs> in gates, yeah. Um, in preparation for that, uh, I'll be sending out a, a ministry update letter this week on either Thursday or Friday. So get it in your email. If you don't have email, it'll be here next Sunday. And it'll give you all the information about that budget and so on and uh, all some o- other upcoming things. And then um, and then next uh, weekend, uh, after all the services and also the following weekend, the week of the meeting after all the services, we'll have a Q&A question where elders and uh, so on to be available. If you have any questions about anything in that letter or the, bu- the budget or whatever. Um, also, just some good news on that. Uh, we haven't got the final figures, but I was talking to Brenda Campbell, our director of finances, and she said, uh, as of right now, it looks like we're still waiting for all the bills to come in for December, but it looks like, based on the final year and giving that came in the mail, uh, that was enough money and so on that we're, we're kind of breaking even for the year. So that was just awesome, just awesome uh, thing again. I'm very excited, yeah. And, uh, I think God just does this to stretch my faith every year, and it's working really well. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so that's good news. So uh, we're going to be going into our time of teaching. Now, if this is your very first time, I am Pastor Mike, and inside of your, um, your weekend program is a white message note sheet that we use every week for our time of teaching. So I encourage you to take that out, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to launch on in. Father, thank you so much for uh, this incredible day. Lord, the, the sunshine, the wind, just so beautiful. And we're excited to be here. We're excited to be in your word and to be coming once again to see what you would say to us as your church, as your people called under your name, uh, standing under the umbrella of your word. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and speak to us by name according to our need for our lives, that we might bring you honor and glory. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our story starts today just a couple years ago. It was 2006, and he'd had the same job for the last six years. It was a, it was a good job, uh, a great place to work. It wasn't his, like a favorite job, wasn't a dream job. He, he thought maybe someday he would take another job. You know, I think we often, you think of that, you think, hey, it's, it's a good job, but maybe someday there'll be something else that comes down the line. Maybe we'll own our, our own business or something like that. And sure enough, that year, they came across a, a great opportunity brand new company that was starting in the United States and launching franchises in major cities throughout the States. They'd come across this franchise, they'd they'd use their products, they they loved the products, and uh, they began to wonder, could this be something that God is calling us to do, to actually open one of our franchises? And so they began to do their research. They they talked to their parents, they talked to uh, their friends, 
they uh, uh, contacted the company. They checked out the financials. All the trends were up where the company was doing great. They talked to several other franchise owners who had recently bought in and were running these companies. And everyone, just what a great company to work for. Tremendous values, great product, uh, all making money, all doing a good job. And so they began to pray about it. They're, they're Christ followers. And they, most of all, as, as all of us, we'd pray, right? This is what you want. You want God's will for your life. And so they began to pray, God, would you lead us? Would you direct us? And they began to bathe the whole process every step of the way in prayer. And one of their prayers was, God, if this is not your plan for us, would you please just let us know and just be clear on that? And so they just continued to, to search it out. And they finally came to the place where, man, everything was looking good. And so they decided, we're going to put in an application to... Uh, to, to actually buy a franchise, we're going to put an application in for a small business association loan, and we'll see what happens, see what God does. And sure enough, application came back. They, they were approved to, to get the franchise, get the loan, and so on. And so after a lot of prayer and a lot of wise counsel and a lot of, of, of thinking, they had a piece about this, they decided we're going to go ahead. And they jumped on in, and they bought the franchise. Well, today we're uh, continuing the series that uh, we uh, started, what, about a year ago? It's in February, a year ago. It's called The Way. For those of you who are brand new here, it's a study in the life and the teaching of the Apostle Paul, who's one of the greatest Christ followers of all time. And what we're doing in this series is we're coming alongside of him every week and asking him to mentor us in what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be part of this ancient movement Jesus started that in the early church was first called The Way. And uh, every week's strategy is the same. We start off with these Paul's longest, most famous letter is his letter to the Church of Rome, and then we launch off into other writings to see what else he teaches on that topic. Well, uh, today we come actually to the last regular message in this series. Can you believe it? It's number 33, and uh, we're, we're at, the, at the very last uh, one. Next week, we're going to have a very special service, and I don't want you to miss this. Uh, next week... Uh, we're doing a service kind of like the redemption experience we did back in June. We're going to wrap up the whole series. We're going to be focusing on uh, probably about seven uh, key lessons uh, that from this series of the way that we want to take with us as a church. But we're going to do it in a very interactive way. And so as we, as we walk through the book of Romans and say, what are the key lessons that we learned about forgiveness and about following Christ and about the new life and about dying to ourselves and being transformed? As we look through it, we're actually going to kind of act it out next week with some of the ancient symbols uh, that Christ has given us. So we're not only going to talk about forgiveness, we're going to, we're going to celebrate communion together and, and worship. We're not only going to talk about the start of a new life and baptism, we're going to baptize people. We're not only going to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit and, the, and being transformed and changed from the inside out, you're going to have a chance to rededicate your life to Christ and to be anointed with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it's just going to be an incredible time of worship and praise, very interactive uh, uh, time of teaching as well. And uh, so you want to be here. And, and just a heads up, be sure to be here early because we're not going through the normal length of worship to start. We're starting earlier than that. So, uh, so those of you who come about now, you're going to miss it. All right. But today we come to uh, chapter 15, the second half of chapter 15 in Romans. So if you have your Bible, why don't you turn there. And you'll notice there's a section on your note sheet um, that has a map in it as well. It's called Paul's Plans, Clear and Confident. And uh, we want to go over this passage, chapter 15, and verses 14 through 33. But, but to do this, it will be very helpful to have the map. Now, the map came out smaller than I anticipated so if you could take out your magnifying glasses right now, uh, that would be helpful. And, um, oh, thank you. I'll need that, yeah, for later. Um, 
And what we're going to do is we're going to get oriented on this map real quick, okay? So you need the, it says Paul's third missionary journey. You, know, you all know that the Apostle Paul took four missionary journeys, uh, kind of church planting tours where he'd start churches, visit churches he'd started. And uh, so this is number three. And on number three, he started off in Antioch. Now, it's on the right hand of your right-hand side of your map. Uh, you want to circle that all the way to the right, right on the border. There's actually two Antiochs, but you want the one all the way to the right. That's his home church, okay? And now you can notice how he goes north out of there, and you follow the arrows around, and you go all the way to the opposite side of the map and find Corinth, okay, about halfway up on the opposite side. And that's where he is when he's writing the book of Romans, okay? So you want to circle Corinth. That's where he is when he wrote this letter we've been studying. Now, he's about to leave Corinth, and so he's, he's writing to the Romans in this letter, and he's giving him his travel plans, what we're going to see today. And here's what he's planning to do. He's planning to go back to Jerusalem. See Jerusalem on the bottom right-hand corner of your map. Circle that. Now, the way he's going to get there, he's going to kind of reverse his, his trek that he got to Corinth. So he's going to go around the mainland again, around the Horn, around the Aegean Sea, then all the way down to Jerusalem. It's about a 1,000-mile trip. And the reason he's going to Jerusalem is because he's been collecting offering from the Christians, the Gentile Christians, in Macedonia and Achaia. See on your map there, uh, right by Corinth, you have the all caps, these two provinces, Achaia and Macedonia. I want to circle those. See that? <coughs> so he's been, he's been collecting funds from the Christians in Macedonia and Achaia, the Gentile Christians, to, to take the funds to the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem as a way of strengthening the bond between Gentile churches and Jewish churches, which was often strained in those days because of the things we've been studying like in Romans, the differences of backgrounds and so on. And so then after he gets to Jerusalem and takes this financial offering, this gift, he is going then to set sail for Rome. Okay? Now, Rome is not on your map. It's off the map to the left, to the west. But you can all picture it. You, you, know, you know, Italy, the boot, and this whole thing. And then after he goes to Rome and he visits the Christians in Rome that he's writing the letter to, then next he's going to keep going further west to Spain to take the message of Jesus to Spain. Okay, so that's what's happening. You, you with me now? So he's in Corinth. He's going to go to Jerusalem. Then he's going to go to, to Rome and visit them. And then he's going to go to Spain. And he's, and he's going to be asking for the Roman Christians. He says, when I get to there to you in Rome, I'm going to ask for your help. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's some people going with me on this journey. I'm going to need some help. So I want to enlist your support to help me go to Spain. Okay, that's the plan. Now, now that you got it, let's go in and see what he says. Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. He says, I myself am convinced, brothers, he's, he's bringing the letter to an end now, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves as a church, you're full of goodness, you're complete in knowledge, and you're competent to instruct one another. So he says, hey, uh, I just want you to know I have a high opinion of your church. I, I think I have a lot of confidence in you guys. Uh, you're an amazing church. You, uh, you are full of goodness, a lot of character. You've got your complete knowledge, a lot of spiritual insight. You're competent to instruct one another. You, uh, you're spiritually mature. Okay? But I've written to you boldly on some points as if to remind you. So he's talking about the book of Romans. He says, I've written to you on these, these topics. I want to remind you of some important things about what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be part of this movement he's called us to. He says, because of the grace God has given me. 
So Paul says, hey, you're, in a, mature, you're a mature church. God's on the move there. But he says, but I recognize that in my life, God has graced me. He's gifted me as an apostle to help you grow. And so I've written to you on these topics. And he says, he's graced me, verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Remember Paul's primary calling in life was to be an apostle to the Gentiles, non-Jews. And he says, with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel or the message of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified or set apart by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, my job, and he says, I've written to you. I, I think you're doing great. You're a mature church, but I've written to you because God's graced me. He says, my job, it's kind of like a priest in the Old Testament. The priest would prepare a sacrifice so it'd be holy before the Lord. My job is to give you spiritual teaching so that you grow in Christ and so I can present you to God as an offering that's acceptable. And isn't that what we want to be here as a church? I mean, don't we want to be as a church? We want to be an offering that's acceptable, right? We want to be a church here at Rocky Peak that, that God has is, is, is prepared us, he's gifting us, he's, he's teaching us, and so now we're presenting ourselves. God, here we are, we, we exist for you. And, and that's what he's saying he's, he's been doing in his ministry. And he says, uh, verse 17, therefore I glory, or I'm proud in Christ Jesus of my service to God. Verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. I'm not going to talk or brag or make any statements except what God's obviously done through me. In leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. Now, very interesting. I want to do a little sidebar here on some, okay? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, there's a lot of ways of describing that. We can talk about faith in Christ and being forgiven, right? And that's one way, and that's certainly a true way, and Paul said that throughout this letter. But it's interesting, often when the Apostle Paul talks about being a Christian, he talks in terms of obedience. He says, well, we were once far from God, we were sons of disobedience, and now we're children of obedience. This is how he often talks about it. And so he looked at, this is how he describes his whole ministry. He says, God's graced me to be an apostle so that to bring the Gentiles to obedience. That's how he describes his whole ministry. That's the bottom line. You see, forgiveness is not the end of the story. Obedience is the end of the story. We were the fallen race. We were the rebel children. And God has come and he's forgiven us in Christ. That's not the end of the story. It's so we can live a life of obedience. And I want to show you this in the book of Romans, okay? Uh, I want you to go back. We're going to look at how he starts the book and how he ends the book. So we'll go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, how he starts this letter off. Back in February, we went over this passage. (coughs) In verse 5, he's talking about his ministry, and you're going to hear a lot of the same language again. 1-5, through him, through Christ, and for his name's sake, we as apostles, we've received grace and apostleship, giftings, to call people from among all the Gentiles. And what, are we, what, is, what is Paul calling us to? He's calling us to the obedience that comes from what? Faith. You see that? It's a, yes, he's calling us to faith, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is obedience. You see, it's the obedience that comes from faith. You see, for the apostle Paul, faith and obedience are flip sides of the same coin. If you really trust God, you will follow him. And if you don't follow him, then you really don't trust him. Now, we can often, we can often uh, fool ourselves, can't we? Oh, I believe in Jesus, I just don't follow Jesus. 
Well, if you believe in Jesus, guess what? You will follow him because it makes sense to you. And if you're not following, it's because it doesn't make sense. We don't believe it. That's how he starts it. Now let's look at how, the, how he ends the letter, chapter 16. The very last verses of this, this, uh, <laughs> this letter, Romans 16 and verse 25. This is his benediction. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, this gospel message, but it's now been revealed and it's been made known through the prophetic writings through the Old Testament by the command of the eternal God. And why? Now why has God made this message known? Here comes the bottom line. So that all nations might believe and what? Obey him. You see that? Believe and obey. It starts off the, the faith that leads to obedience. It ends, you might trust, uh, uh, believe and obey. These are, it's a package deal. We believe and we obey. And so Paul says, let's go back to Romans 15 now, our main text. He says, verse 18, he summarizes his whole ministry by saying, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. That's the bottom line. Last week after the service, I was talking with the one lady as I was walking outside, and she, she and her husband came up, and she said, Mike, i got to thank you. She said, the last six months, I've gone here a long time, the last six months, my life has turned around. I used to come to church, and I thought of myself as a Christian, but in the last six months, about six months ago, I became a Christ follower. I'm no longer just going to church. I'm a Christ follower, and he has changed my life, and he is moving in ways like I've never experienced. You see, and that's what we're shooting for, right? That we're out in churches, we just kind of, oh, we could believe in Jesus in some sort of superficial way. No, it's the faith that leads to obedience, that we are a church of Christ followers. We will follow him anywhere, anytime, any place. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's our king. We bow the knee to him. We are Christ followers. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, so anyway, done with sidebar. All right. So uh, anyway, so that's, what he's, that's his mission. He says, and he's done this verse 19 by the power of signs and miracles. And so, so God uh, would supernaturally equip Paul at times to do miracles and, and healings and all to authenticate his message um, through the power of the Spirit. And it says, so from Jerusalem, we know where that is, all the way around to Illyricum, that's off our map to the west of our map, uh, it's, it's near Rome, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ because it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So we all have different callings in life, even in ministry people have different callings. Not every church is the same. Every church has a unique calling. And Paul's unique calling in ministry was to take the message of Jesus where no man had gone before. That was his kind of Star Trek sort of apostle. Anyway, I know, that's really bad. Okay, um, anything to make sure you're awake. All right, so... um, he says, that was my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was unknown so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it's written, and he quotes here from Isaiah 52, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Now, now just a quick little sidebar here. Um, have you ever had a time in your life where you're going through maybe a hard time or you're seeking God for guidance or maybe you're just minding your own business and reading the Bible one day and all of a sudden there's just a verse that comes off the page to you. It's just like, you're just like, this is for you. This is yours. You know, you write the date down. You know, you write down the situation. 
Uh, uh, you sense God speaking. Yes, it's the word of God for all people at all time, but in this case, it's a specific word for you. The Holy Spirit's picking up and saying, this one's for you in this situation. I believe this is what happened to the Apostle Paul with Isaiah 52. That as he was reading at some point in his past, maybe after he first became a Christian, at some point he was in his life, he comes across this verse that those who we're not told about him, we'll see, and those who have not heard about it will understand. And God just wrote that verse on his heart and said, Paul, this is your life commission, to take the message of Jesus where it's, gone, where it's not gone before. And from that point on, that became his purpose in life. This was his, his calling. And so he says, verse 22, this is why I've often been hindered from uh, coming to you in Rome. Uh, I'm sure Paul had his detractors in Rome, uh, people that said, hey, if we're so important, we're the center of the empire, if you really care about why haven't you come sooner? And he says, well, I want to come. It's just I've been tied up doing these other things. So verse 23, but now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I come to Spain. Okay? So he says, I'm planning to go to Spain. That's the end of this, this uh, itinerary. I hope to visit you while passing through. So he's going to go to Rome, then Spain. Uh, after I've been there, after I've joined your company for a while. But now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, okay? Remember the map. He's in Corinth. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. Then I'm going to go to Spain, but I'm going to stop by Rome en route in service to the saints there, uh, the Christians there. For Macedonia and Achaia, we know that from our map, right? We've got the, those provinces. Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. Remember we learned back in Romans 11 that the people of God was the nation of Israel? When the Gentiles, God began to bring the, uh, the Gentiles into this movement, it was, it was that they were the olive tree. We were grafted in. Gentiles were grafted in. Remember that. And so remember what Paul said there. It's not the branches that support the, the, uh, the root. It's the root that supports the, the branches. So as Christ followers, as you, if you're a Gentile, we need to realize the great debt we owe to our Jewish uh, forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and David and Jeremiah and all these guys who went before us to pave the path. We stand on their shoulders. And so he says, uh, uh, if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. So after I've completed this task, in other words, after I've gone to Jerusalem and I've given them the money um, and I've made sure that they've received this fruit, then I'll go to Spain and I'll visit you on the way. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. We're going to have an amazing time. Christ is coming with me. Where I go, Jesus goes. And when I come, we're going to have a great time. And it's going to be amazing. And we're going to come in the full blessing, full measure of the blessing of Christ. Now, here's why. I I want to stop here just for a second. I want you to catch this, and I want you to catch the sense of clarity and confidence Paul has about his future at this point. You can catch this? He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm in Corinth. I'm heading to Jerusalem, dropping out the offering. After that all works out, I'm heading to uh, Rome. I'll see you there, catch up, get some help from you. We're going to go to Spain. That's the plan. I've been praying about this, got it all down, right? He's clear. He's confident. We know it's going to happen. Now, at the back of his mind, he knows that there's some danger. He's a little concerned about that, but not seriously concerned. Look at the next verse. I urge you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, if you really care about me, that you join with me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He says, would you pray for me in my struggle? Well, what struggle? Well, pray, verse 31, that I may be rescued from unbelievers in Judea. 
Well, remember, uh, Jerusalem is in the province of Judea. Uh, remember, Paul, before he became a Christian, was a leader of the, Jew, uh, of the Jewish uh, uh, people in Israel. And so ever since he converted, he's become public enemy number one. So anytime he goes back into Jerusalem, he's going back into the danger zone, just by definition. So he says, pray for me that I'll be safe and rescued from the unbelievers there. Um, and also pray that my service in Jerusalem, this taking this money to the Gent- uh, for the Jewish church, may be acceptable to the saints there. In other words, they'll, they'll appreciate it, they'll realize the love that's coming with it, that it will actually build a bridge between the Gentile churches and the Jewish churches. And he says, so that by God's will, catch that God's will, that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. He says, so, so here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, there's a little bit of danger here. I think it's going to work out fine. No, just pray for me. You got, got me covered. So I can come to you by God's will, be all refreshed with joy. We're going to have a great time. Okay? So at the back of his mind, there's a sense of, yeah, there could be some danger there. But you don't get any sense he's worried about it. It's not at all like, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. It could get really dicey. I hope to come and see you. It may not happen. I don't know if I'll get out alive. I mean, you don't get that sense at all. It's more like, like we often pray. Hey, pray for me. I'll have a safe trip. You know, we expect to have a safe trip. We think we'll have a safe trip, but we just, we know something could go wrong. So will you cover me on this, right? It's got that kind of a thing. And then he ends and he says, uh, verse 33, the God of peace be with you all. Of course, having a hard time getting along in Rome, may the God of peace be with you all. And so he ends the formal part of this letter. Next, he just has some personal greetings and some little things to say in, in chapter 16. So, so today, here's what we want to do. I want to talk to you about God's will. Uh, what can we expect in our life in terms of God's will? What can we expect God to communicate to us? How do we expect him to communicate us? If we look at the Apostle Paul as a mentor, like I say every week, right, he's our mentor in the Christian life. Well, the lesson this week is on guidance. What can we expect in terms of God's will in our life and guidance? So there in your note sheet, you have a section. It's called God's will, what to expect, and i got three statements to help organize our thoughts. Okay, number one. Uh, here's what we can expect. Sometimes we can expect that God's will will be very clear. Uh, the first lesson from Paul's life is that if you're a Christ follower, you've given your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can expect that there will be times in your life when God will speak to you. Now, now you may have experienced that. You may not have experienced that. He speaks in different ways, different people, different amounts and people and so on. But you can expect that as a Christ, as a norm, that there'll be times in your life when God speaks to you. It might be through his word, like the Apostle Paul had that verse we just talked about. You know, he's reading along. and I, It could be through a sermon. It could be through a book. It could be through wise counsel. It could be um, uh, through an aha moment where just all of a sudden you've been praying about something and it just comes to you. Uh, it could be through a prophetic word. Uh, like the Apostle Paul, we're going to see had in his life at times. Uh, it could be through a dream. It could be through a vision. So it, it could be a variety of ways, but what I'm saying is that there are times in our life where as a Christ follower, uh, you can't promise it, but this is kind of normative, that there will be times when God is going to be clear with you. And so as a church, we want to be learning to listen to the voice of God. Right? And there's going to be times when God speaks, and however it comes, there's going to be a sense of supernatural with it. This is more than just my thoughts. This is something that's from the Lord. Okay? And we test it out, and we weigh it out, but there's going to be times like that. And the Apostle Paul had times like this in his own life. Um, for example, remember we talked that he had four missionary tours. 
And uh, we just looked at number three. Well, on his first missionary tour, this is how it started. It was a major transition in his life. Up to that point, he hadn't been a traveling sort of guy a lot. He was hanging out. He was spending time in Antioch on, the, on your map, the one we already circled. That was his home church. One day he's there with four of his brothers uh, in Christ, uh, Barnabas, three other guys. It says that they're all prophets and teachers. It says that they're fasting and praying and worshiping the Lord. Okay, it's, it's Acts chapter 13. We won't turn there, but you can check it out later. And, and as they're fasting and praying and worshiping, God speaks, probably a prophetic word. So they're all prophets. Probably one of them had a word of prophecy. Okay? And, and God speaks very clearly that they're to separate out Paul and Barnabas and to send them out on a missionary journey from this church. That they're, they're no longer to be pastors of just the church. They're to leave the church to go plant other churches. Okay? And it's very clear. It's so one of those times in Paul's life, God was very clear. And so they went out, did the first missionary journey, had great success, God did supernatural things, healings and so on, and a lot of people came to Christ, a lot of churches, and it was in a great time. And so there are times in our life where we can expect God to be clear. In fact, there are your note sheets, Psalm 25. David puts it this way, who then is the man who fears the Lord? In other words, respects, follows is a Christ follower, that kind of person. Where you lead, Lord, I will follow. Who is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. We can expect this. Okay? Look at the next one. David puts it this way. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant. No, we can expect this. I was talking with a, a couple men in our congregation just in the last few weeks. I had dinner with them uh, two separate occasions. And uh, the one man, see, a young man, he's got a, a, a young wife, a, a young baby, a, two or three years old. And uh, he was, uh, we, we were just talking about life, and he was sharing with me that about a year ago that uh, they were considering buying their very first home. And, of course, it was a stretch, and so on, but they were thinking about buying it. And as they prayed about it, they had a strong sense that God was saying, wait, this is not the time. <laughs> Understatement. Um, <laughs> And, and he was saying, Mike, I'm so glad that God was speaking and that we were listening because we would have been in disaster right now if we'd kind of bought at that time. We would have been so upside down, and that would have been a really tough thing for us. Uh, the other man, uh, about three weeks ago, having, having dinner with him, and we're at uh, Macaroni Grill, and he's sharing with me that, uh, that about two years ago, he's going through a very difficult time, and his job didn't like his job, didn't like where the company was going, felt like maybe it was time to leave, so he began to pray about it. And as he prayed about it, he had a strong sense that God was saying, wait, trust me, wait. And, and as he did, about a year later, the company was, went through a, a reacquisition. They were, they were sold, a reorganization. He became one of the top, he was promoted to be one of the top leaders in the company, and he loves his job now. He was saying, man, I'm so glad God told me to wait. You see? See, we, we should expect as believers, as Christ's followers, there'll be times in our life when God will be clear. We see that in the life of Paul, okay? Secondly, that's as good as the sermon's going to get right there. <laughs> it's all downhill from this point in. Number two, sometimes it's going to be less than clear. Now, can I hear an amen on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I bet there's a lot of us here who say, oh, I've experienced that. I've experienced times in my life that God's been clear with me, and some of us may say, Mike, I wish I'd experienced it. I never have. And I just say, well, just, hey, just keep listening and be open, and maybe God will speak and that sort of thing. But if we can't all relate to point number one, I guarantee you we can all relate to point number two, right? 
We have all been there where you just feel like, man, I need a word from God. Would you write it on my, wind, you know, my windshield in my car, put it on my windowsill, email me, text me, anything. You know, I'm not picky here. You know, just do it, you know, just do it like a text, a few words. I'll make it out what it says. Just, just let me know. And, uh, and yet God's been silent. Or he's given us partial information. <laughs> you kind of go, well, that was really helpful, uh, but <laughs> could you give me the other half of that story? And, and what's really interesting to me is, you know, the Apostle Paul had times like this in his life. And, and this is so amazing. Um, let me tell you a story. You're going to need your second map for this one. Um, remember we just talked about his first missionary tour. And uh, God was very clear with him on his first tour. Well, second tour, a little different. So a few years later, Paul has this idea, I think we need to go back and visit some of the churches that we started on our first missionary journey. And so he picks out his buddy Silas, and they head north out of Antioch. So look at your map, second missionary. Find Antioch again, same one, all the way to the right, home church. And they head north, and you follow the line, and you and watch them. They go through these. They go through Tarsus, as Paul's hometown. Then they go up to see Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. See that? Those are the churches that Paul started on his first missionary journey. That's as far as he'd gotten. Okay, and so they they go there. They they deliver some information from the apostles in Jerusalem. They encourage the churches. They have a great time. Now it's time for Paul to go farther, and take the message of Jesus farther than he's gone before. And so he assumes that the best thing to do would be to go to the left, um, to go to the left, go west, and head towards Ephesus. You see that there? Circle Ephesus. You just can see it on your map. And it's in the province of Asia. Circle that. And so he assumes, because there's a major highway that goes to Ephesus, Ephesus is a major metropolitan area. Strategically, it would be a great place to, to spread the message of Jesus and go out from there. So he assumes that. But as they start traveling in that way, somehow the Holy Spirit tells them, no, don't go that way. Now we're going to read this in a couple minutes. The Holy Spirit says, don't go that way. Now, we don't know how he speaks, was it, whether it's through another prophetic word, was it through a vision, a dream, was it through um, like just persecution, doors being shut, we don't really know. <laughs> but, but the Holy Spirit says, don't go that way. But here's the interesting thing. The Holy Spirit basically says, don't go left, but he doesn't tell him what else to do. Have you ever seen those mazes that researchers have mice go through? And they're just kind of timing the poor little mouse. How, how long does it take to get from point A to point B? And they just time, and the poor little mouse just kind of goes along until he hits a wall. Boom. Okay. Can't go this way. Boom. Go this way. And you just kind of go down the hall, and you just watch him kind of bunk in his head. Just open door, closed door, open door, closed door. Just kind of like a pinball. Just this is what happens now in Paul's life. Okay, I can't go left. Okay, I can't go right. I guess I'll go up. Okay. And so what he does is he travels up as you follow the line. He goes through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. See those two areas? And he keeps going north, and he comes to the border of Mysia. See where Mysia is on the left? And so at this point, he decides to go right and to go into Bithynia. See, see Bithynia there? But at this point, the Holy Spirit says, nope, that's not the right way. Again, no direction what is the right way. Just don't go that way. Okay, well, let's see, I can't go back, can't go right. I guess I'll go left. And so he goes down to Troas. See the city of Troas? And when they get there, 
Paul is really talking. Remember, this is going on for months. This is why weeks or months. I mean, this, we're, we're not like, uh, this is not like 90 miles an hour in your BMW on Interstate 5, right? This is like walking one step after another over hundreds of miles. And so Paul is tired out. So when he gets to Troas, he goes to sleep because he's exhausted. And that night, the middle of the night, he has a dream. He gets up in the morning and says, hey, guys, I had a dream. What's your dream? And by the way, what did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> oh, here's my dream. I, I saw a guy from Macedonia. Well, how do you know he's from Macedonia? Because he dressed like them. You know, he had that funny little hair thing and, you know. Okay, so, well, what did he say? He says, come and help us. What do you think that means? I think we're supposed to go help him. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Maybe that's where God's calling us. Okay, let's go. So they go to it. Now, are you kidding me? This is the Apostle Paul on one of the most important missionary church planting journeys in the history of the world. And God's just going, nope, figure it out. Nope, figure it out. Nope, figure it out. And then when he finally gives him a dream, I mean, can it be like an angel saying, come to Macedonia, share the message of Jesus, Paul? He can't even be that clear. It's just like, well, I guess that's what it means. Now you're saying, like, really? I mean, I can't make this stuff up. This stuff's so good. I mean, it's just too good. I cannot make this stuff up. I want you to see this for yourself. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read this. So interesting to me. <laughs> Acts chapter 16. We'll start at verse 4. As they travel, the they <laughs> would be Paul, Silas, and their new uh, helper, Timothy. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the, the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Now, he says, travel to town to, on your map. That would be like Lystra, Iconium, Derby, those, those areas. And so, so this is so far so good. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. They grew daily in numbers. Things are going well. Now things begin to get muddy. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Got on your map there? Now catch this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So they wanted to go to Asia. They were kept by the Holy Spirit somehow. We don't know how. And so, okay, I guess we go north. And so they go through Phrygia and Galatia. Verse 7, and when they come to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. So they tried to go right, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Somehow he told them no. Interesting, but he doesn't tell them what to do next. So they, they decided to go left, so they pass by Mysia. They go down to Troas. And during the night, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Catch this, concluding. You see that? concluding, in other words, putting two and two together, I think this is what it must mean, that God has called us to preach the gospel. Have you ever been there in your life where you feel like kind of a mouse in the maze? You're like, you're praying for God to wisdom. He might be saying no on some things, but you don't know what to do. It's like, no, 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 but what do you do next? And you just kind of feel like that mouse. You just try open door, closed door, open door, closed door. And at times like that, if you're at all like me, what you feel like is 
you know, if I was really walking with the Lord right now, I'm sure it would be much clearer than this. Have you ever been there? You kind of feel like, if I, if I was really close with Jesus, if I was really full of his spirit, if you, he would be leading me. This, no one should be going this through this kind of confusion. Yeah, amen. One honest man in the whole church. So there you go. Thank you, God. I prayed for one. Thank you. Um, Right? And, and I think this is our paradigm. Our paradigm is if we walk with Jesus, things should be clear. And I want you to cut that this was not even clear for the Apostle Paul. And oftentimes we read our Bibles and we read about guys like Moses and David and Jeremiah and John the Baptist. And we say things like, I wish I lived in Bible days when God would speak clearly. Amen, amen. (laughs) And every one of those guys I just mentioned went through times of deep depression and total confusion as to what God was doing in their life. You see, that this is normal. That sometimes God's gonna be very clear, yes, but sometimes it's gonna be very muddy. And can I do a little sidebar just for a second? This is why it's so important for us as a church to read the whole Bible, not just our favorite verses. Because when you read just your favorite verses, you just read verses like Psalm 25. Hey, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He should be showing me the answer. But when you read the whole Bible, you read times like the Apostle Paul was totally confused. And if we're going to have an accurate perspective of what the Christian life looks like, we got to read the whole Bible. So, for example, take the topic of healing, for example. You have some people will be teaching that anytime you're sick, you should never be sick. You just look the Apostle Paul, he healed people all the time, and just in the name of Jesus, you're healed. And, and, and it's, that's the way it should work. Because we read all the times when the Apostle Paul prayed for someone to be healed, and they got healed. And that's if we had faith like Paul, we should, that's the way it should be. We should be a New Testament church. But we skip the part in 2 Timothy where Paul says, Hey, I, I'm leaving, I'm going to be going here. I had to leave my buddy Trophimus in Miletus because he was sick. What? Paul, why did you just pray for him? Do the little laying on the hands thing, you know? Do it with oil, in the name of Jesus. You know how it works. You know, you heal people all the time. Paul says, I wanted to bring Trophimus, but he was so sick, and I was praying, it just wasn't working, he was sick, you see? And all of a sudden you go, oh, maybe it's a little different than what I thought. Maybe there are times when God really healed and there's times when he didn't. Huh, you see? So it's so important for us as a church. You, know, you, you read uh, the Apostle Paul says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't worry about anything and everything by prayer and petition. Make your requests known to God and the peace of God will be with you always. You say, that is a Christian life. And then, read, then you read 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You'll be reading your life group this week. And Paul says, I was so depressed. I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do. You're like, Paul, read Philippians. (laughs) Just read Philippians, Paul. It's just right there, you know? You see what I'm saying? And so we come around this, oh, Christians need to be up all the time. We need to be on top of things all the time. Hey, read the whole book, you see? And all of a sudden, we get a better perspective. So there's times when when it's going to be really clear. There's times when it's not clear. Let me say this. One thing that's helped in my own life is that when we experience God being clear at times, and then we go through times where he's muddy, this is one thing I always tell myself. Mike, when God's not being clear right now, 
it's because he's choosing to keep you in the dark. And it's very helpful to me because you realize that what the, if God, if you, I've had many times when I've been in the dark and God has spoken and cleared it up. And I know he could do it any time. And so if he's not doing it right now, it's because there's some, he wants me to be in the dark. Well, why would he want us to be in the dark? Because there's some lessons you can only learn in the dark. God does some of his best work in the dark, right? And so he leaves us there in the dark so we can grow and change, become like Jesus. And when we've learned what we need to learn, he gives us the light. Okay, now number three. Now here's, uh, here's my favorite one. Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's less than clear, sometimes it's downright confusing. <laughs> now this is a lesson that comes out of our text today, Romans chapter 15. We, we went over it and I pointed this out carefully when we went over it. Paul's in Corinth. In fact, take a look at your map again, get oriented. This is from your first map. <clears throat> Remember, Paul's in Corinth. He writes, to the, the, he writes this letter to Rome. says, hey, I'm coming your way. I'll be there before too long. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, drop off the gift, head towards uh, Spain, stop by and see you on the way. Remember, he's clear. He's confident. I'm, when I come, with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Well, you know, it did not work out that way. Paul thought he understood God's plan for his life. He was clear. He was confident. He knew there's a little danger, but just pray about that. We'll take care of that. So I'm going to come and see you in Rome. I'm going to be there very soon. He's prepping them for his coming. I don't know if you remember how the story goes. We talked about this very first week of this series back in February. That what actually happened is Paul did go to Jerusalem. He did take the gift. He was there a week. And a week into it, there's a mob scene over him. Uh, the Jewish crowds are about ready to literally tear him limb from limb. The Roman guards have to come in to rescue him. They take him into custody, transfer him to Caesarea on the, on the seacoast to protect him, to go to, uh, to, um, to uh, like protective custody. And then they leave him in jail for over two years as a political favor to the Jewish leaders. And after two years of being stuck in this prison and being so frustrated, the Apostle Paul finally appeals his case to Caesar. And so he's finally going to get to go to Rome. And on the way, they go through a shipwreck, and he is lost at sea for 24, or for two weeks. And he, then the, the ship breaks apart, they go into the ocean, they almost die. He gets stranded on the island of Malta, bit by a poison snake, and three months later, finally makes it to Rome, years after writing, I will be there soon. <laughs> now, if you're, this gives me great encouragement in my life. <laughs> Have you ever had a time in your life where you just thought you knew what God was doing? And you're just going, oh, I know what's happening. I'm in Corinth. I'm going to Jerusalem. Then I'm going to, to Spain to stop in Rome. See you. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be amazing. Boom. And all of a sudden, your life blows up. And it's like, I did not sign up. I didn't see this coming. God, I thought I'd prayed about this. I thought this was your will. I thought this was going to happen. And all of a sudden, your life, and you go, how did this happen? God, where are you? Man, I think Paul had to be going through this. In fact, in your life group homework this week, you're going to be studying that section where he gets arrested. And, you know, this is one of the times after he's arrested, God shows up very clearly. 
And I'll tell you why he did. Why I think he did is because Paul was so depressed and so confused. The first thing he says is, do not be afraid. God doesn't waste words. And so God shows up. Because because Paul is totally confused. I don't get what you're doing in my life, God. What is going on here? Have you been there? You're going along with your life. you got plans for your life, and all of a sudden that doctor report comes, and you got cancer, and I don't have time for this, and this is not in the plans. All of a sudden you're going in your life, and you know what's going on. The kids are going to go here, and we're going to play the college, and this is what it is, and all of a sudden you lose your job, and the economy goes in the tank, and you're, you're losing your house, and you're like, well, what happened in my life? And in times like that, the will of God becomes downright confusing. And we started today with the story of this young couple. It's a young couple in our congregation. They started that franchise back in 2006. At first it took off, doing great, making money. But then before long, the economy begins to go down. And now they're on the verge of bankruptcy. Praying about it every step of the way. God, would you lead us? God, would you guide us? God, would you direct us? Would you protect us if it's not the right thing? And they felt like God was leading them, God was guiding them. It seemed like the right thing to do. They'd done all the right steps, so they take the plunge, and then all of a sudden, everything falls apart, and now you're bankrupt. And, and like, what, what happened? What happened? I thought, God, I thought you were with me. Right? What, what happens? No easy answers. But here's what I take a, a lot of encouragement from. The Apostle Paul, it happened to him, too. And God was still in control. You know, I got an email from that, uh, that young man, this week, you know, last week at the end of the service, I mentioned I was going to be talking about God's will, how sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's downright crazy. And, um, and, and so he, um, he emailed me on Monday, and it goes like this. It says, hey, Mike, can't believe we're approaching the end of Romans. I penciled in my retirement years for this series. <laughs> ha. Just kidding. We're really enjoying it. I can't tell you how excited I am for this Sunday's message. Over the last six to 12 months, I've had the following thought running through my head. God, those times over the past years when I thought I'd heard your voice, I'd sensed your leading. Maybe I was wrong about those times. Quick backstory: As you may or may not remember, we opened a franchise in 2006. We prayed, 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 and prayed some more about opening that place. A common prayer was, God, if you don't want us to open, please make it clear for us. We seriously spent a lot of time individually and also together asking for wisdom, so now it's closed and we're facing the possibility of bankruptcy. I thought I'd prayed consistently and thoroughly over certain issues. I thought I'd sought for guidance. I thought I asked other Christians for input. I thought I'd prayed and asked for wisdom. In fact, I know I did these things. I read the book, Discerning the Voice of God, How to Recognize When God Speaks. How could I have missed his voice? How could I have listened better, heard better? Frustrated? Sure. A little confused? Absolutely. Now, could it be as well that we open for reasons not known, even though he knew we'd go through this difficult time? Of course. I understand that. I submit to that. Look, I look back and don't know that we could have done anything differently in the process. In any case, I solidly believe that he, will, that he makes his will known when he wants to. I know that there will be future times in my life when it's unmistakably his will and leading, and it will be clear. Remember, sometimes it's clear. But I thought it was clear, and we were seeking guidance whether to open or not. It's as hard as it's been to think, uh-oh, maybe we've been misreading his will. It doesn't change how I feel about him or the fact that I will still worship him and praise him and thank him. 
because he is God and I'm not. I can't understand right now how or why I misunderstood him, and I know I don't need to, but there's definitely some confusion going on right now about how to seek his will and then follow it. Have you been there? You think you're on the way to Rome. You end up in jail for three years. Go through a shipwreck, get bit by a poison snake. But here's the good news. In the story, Paul gets, ends up in Rome. <laughs> that God has a way of getting us to where he wants us to be. It's not always the way that we think. It's not always we want. But sometimes God's bigger. Sometimes he's doing something deeper than we can ever imagine. Here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower and you are honestly trying to please him, we can trust him in that. Now, if you're not trying to please him, all bets are off, right? Then you go through a mess, it's your mess. Hey, but if we're, if we're trying to please him, we're trying to follow him, Paul says, hey, there's something bigger. In fact, you'll study in your, your, your uh, life group homework this week a fascinating passage, another time in Paul's life when he's really depressed and confused. You'll read all about it. There's a time he couldn't figure out what God was doing and why. And then God comes in and he fixes everything. And then in the rearview mirror, Paul is able to look back and say, oh, now I see what you were doing. And he writes these amazing words there in your note sheet in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. After he's come through the crisis, he says, thanks be to God, who, what's the next word? Who what? always, underline that, who always leads us in his triumphal procession in Christ. When, when Paul was going through it, it looked like a mess. He couldn't explain it. He had fears in the inside. He had uh, pressures on the outside. He was depressed. He was discouraged. Could not figure it out. But after God comes through, he looks back. He says, here's the lesson I've learned, that God always leads us to Rome. You see, he's always will lead us. And so from this amazing mentor that we've been studying this whole year, we learn this lesson for our life. And what a word of comfort and encouragement. There are times in our life, God will be clear. There are times it will be less than clear. But there are times, and it's totally normal, when it's downright confusing. And during those times, we trust in the God who promises to always lead us in the end to his triumph in Christ. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing passage, set of passages of Scripture, so true to life, so real, and yet so powerful and so encouraging. There's going to be times when you're clear, times when it's less than clear, times when it's downright confusing. It's all part of it. It happened to Moses. It happened to David. It happened to Jeremiah. It happened to John the Baptist. It happened to the Apostle Paul. It will happen to us and yet you are bigger, and you are stronger, and you will lead us to where we need to be, that you are in control. And so, God, we pray that today, whether we're in a place where, where things are clear, where they're muddy, or where they're downright dark, we pray that you'd speak to us and teach these lessons to our heart, and we pray this in your name. Amen.